All right. Podcast and number eight. We're rolling. <laughs> Is this going to be your intro? Uh, yeah, I think that was it right and, there. We're rolling. And what was, it, what's your, what was your outro? Peace, uh, love, peace pasta. love, pasta. Peace, <laughs> love, pasta. All right. Um, so we're just kind of talking before this. Today we're actually recording this today of us doing the 16.4, 17.4 open workout. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about uh, the handstand push-up standards. and That was a... That was definitely a weird standard. <laughs> oh, the handstand. Did it, did it bother you? I can't remember. So it's, they changed it, the handstand push-up standard, like three years in a row. Uh-huh. Do you remember that? Yeah. Like a, I can't remember originally what it was. I don't know if they originally just started off with the box. Originally, it was like just a straight up, you just had... Was it just the box? Like a left and a right line, and it was just a box, right? Yeah, you had <laughs> it was a two by three, like mm-hmm. two, like three feet wide, two feet away from the wall. I want to say it was something along those lines. I don't know the exact measurements, but it was something like something that. Something like that. And then, I think that's how it started. And then one year was like arms we overhead. Like arm overhead, but you had to do like the little... Little diamond little overhead, your arms locked. <clears throat> and you had to like start at the base of the wrist, and mm-hmm. it, had, it was like a... Was it... Was it a like couple inches below three the Three inches or something? Something like that. And that was the line that you had to get your heels above. So it didn't really matter where your hands were on the mat as much as... It just mattered where your heel went. Heel has to go above the line. Yep. And then the weirdest one was the forearm one. The forearm, that was the one that like got all the like crazy like social media attention, right? Yeah. Like, they had, like it was like you put your arm, your elbow against the wall, and you measured from like your elbow to your wrist, wrist. and you took like half that distance. And then... What was that? Was where your heel had to get to? I don't. I don't even remember, dude. That was such a weird standard that year. But I remember a um, lot of those like high level like games athletes like not even like, going to the games make it. Yeah, like it, because of that one workout. Yeah, uh, that was a big big deal. But I don't think they ever did that one again. I don't think. No, that was like, that they one got a time lot of hate. They got a lot of They were like, eh, we're not going to do that again. But I can't remember what was the last thing they had. They didn't have handstand pushes. I think maybe the last year or two. They had them in the. Uh, the what quarterfinals last year? Maybe was I saying? Um, and I think I want to remember watching like Nate and Krishnum, and they just had like a box. It was just a straight up box. A straight up box. <clears throat> I'm not a big fan. I mean, and, and maybe I'm like, maybe I I'm slightly biased. Like palm in, as long as your palms, like yeah. your fingers could go outside the lines, but like your palm had to be in. So usually the standard for the game standard handstand push up is you have a it's three feet wide and then two feet away from the wall is your box. As long as your palm is inside the line. Your fingers can go outside the line, go but your palm can go, but it has to say inside. So you have to be able to see, you know, for instance, like if you're using like the gray mats, you have to be able to see gray, the gray between between your tips before it goes over the line. Uh, and so I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm slightly biased, obviously, because I'm not like a short person. Is I don't like the box standard. The box standard? What, what makes you not like the box standard? Do you feel like it's right that Jacob Terry and Paul Bird had to put their arms in the same amount of distance on, on the wall? No. No. I see what you're saying. Like, so, we literally had the conversation today about Heidi. Doing it, yeah. Doing Heidi literally had, so had a riser, so an yeah. ab mat, with the box. So she literally flips upside down. Her hand, her head is literally almost touching the ab mat yeah. upside down. <laughs> She's doing like a quarter bend. You know what I'm saying? So like, I don't know. And like I said, some people can disagree with me if you listen to this, it's fine. So I wonder if that's and, why and maybe they I'm tried to do the forearm thing. And I think that, like, that's probably yeah. like, that was probably their, probably their idea, but it just didn't come out. It didn't as... quite, because like I didn't, so when they did the arm standards, I don't remember me ever having really any issues getting my heels above the line yeah. and the extended portion. But I do remember a lot of the people who, like the shorter athletes were having more of an issue with it, with it. Than, than I can remember. Um, so 
for people who are normally pretty good at handstand push-ups, they struggled that year because of the fact that standard was really, really tough for them to meet. And, I, and I've thought about it a couple times. I don't know what the fairest way is with the handstand push-up in, in the way of like, you know, what the standard should be. And I don't know if you could even base it off directly by, depending on your height, depends on the width of the box. Okay. You know, depending on so like the taller you are, the taller you are, the wider, the bigger the box that you have. Um, you know, and like, it just, it just depends. Cause like you take somebody who's got really long arms, that's like maybe five foot, you know, eight compared to a guy that's six foot, they might have the same wingspan. Yeah. That looks a little different. But totally different heights. You know? The distance like from the head to the map. So this is they have to travel. So I don't know. Uh, it's a really tough movement in a way of competition. It's almost like I'd rather just not them put it not in do it at all. all. Like just substitute out either wall walking or like handsome walking. I'm not gonna lie, I kinda enjoy the wall walk. It's a lot I'm not gonna say like, I enjoy it, but I'm gonna say like I, I don't mind it. I don't mind them in, in, in our little repertoire yeah. now. Uh, it's a good movement. Yeah. Um, it was weird because back in the day at the old box, um, like I had a coach who would program for me, and I did a lot of wall walking back in the day. And then obviously, there was a transition time where I didn't, and it like just recently popped from the open. Yeah. But man, Very I remember any time we ever did wall walks back in the day, it would, it's still it's still something I suck at because my overhead position is not the greatest. But um, it's a tough movement. Um, but I, I almost feel like it for most people, that's a better stand, like better thing to, to judge for a bodyweight overhead movement compared to mm-hmm. the handstand push-up. That's what's me. Yeah, I think their standard and wall walks are definitely way easier to read and everything yeah. for that, for sure. For sure. And so um, so that kind of – our main topic, I guess, we're going to really kind of jam on today is – is, is kipping versus strict and what's more important. I guess that's kind of like alluded to, like kind of like handstand push-ups compared to like wall walks, kind of. right? Like, like in my opinion, I think for general population, I think wall walk is a, probably a better movement than a handstand yeah, push-up. Handstand push-ups. Right. Um, so really kind of the primary principle is like, you know, which which is more important or, you know, or so-called what's better is, you know, what is better, strict or, or kipping? kipping, you know? And so before we really kind of dive into our thoughts on either one or the other, I'll let Kale kind of put the ball in his court. It's kind of describing what each, what's the purpose of each one? What's the purpose for each one? Um, Okay, so I think they both have their place. And I think you can probably use both in like a training program or whatever. Um, But when you're going for strict, I think it's probably a good idea to just start with strict. Okay, so like building that foundation through those strict movements. So for instance, if you were just say, just joining CrossFit or just joining, going to a gym, um, learning those strict movements and getting those first like two to three strict pull-ups in a row um, before we kind of start moving on to those kipping pull-ups, just to kind of make sure that those muscles and those tendons and everything right there are, are strong enough to actually start kipping. Because um, I don't think people kind of understand like, kipping is, it looks easy and it's, it's fun and stuff, but at the same time, you still have to Get those prereqs before we rock into those kipping pull-ups, right? Um, so for that strength stuff, guys, um, I'll definitely say it's a good idea to practice it, even if you are like some crazy super gymnastic ninja and you're able to do all these strict pull-ups. I do think it's a good idea to always go back to them um, and kind of get those fundamentals down. I think that's what it comes down to. You always want to practice your fundamentals, and I think strict pull-ups and those strict movements 
kind of come back to that. Um, now, when you're talking about kipping pull-ups, those are the kind of the fun things that you always see in the workouts, and that's always cool to go through. Um, and you can definitely push the pace through a kipping pull-up. So, for instance, in like a workout or a wad where you're kind of like trying to breathe heavy and you're on that heart rate kind of spiking, I think that kipping pull-up is probably your better option. Um, but if we're not there just yet, I do think those strict pull-ups or those seated pull-ups that we do in class are probably your best bet to build that strength. That way, eventually, we can do those kipping pull-ups or kipping whatever movement we have. So let me ask this, what is the purpose of kipping? So from an outside perspective, right, like that's probably where CrossFit to a degree you can get a bad rap from people is people seeing kipping movements, right? Kipping, mm-hmm. especially like the kipping pull-up, right? It's the primary example of people seeing it as like the crazy cheater reps. Or cheater reps. Yeah. So what is the purpose of kipping for somebody who's like, I don't that makes zero sense to me as to why you would do that? Uh, I would say, for like workout stimulus. So for instance, like if you're doing strict pull-ups, okay, eventually you're going to hit muscle failure at some point in time, right? Um, so if you're doing sets of, let's say 10 pull-ups, okay, and you're doing strict pull-ups and let's say it's three rounds, by the second, third round, you're gonna be doing singles, you're gonna be sitting there, have to take 30, 20 second breaks at a time. But when, if in reality, if you were to do kipping pull-ups, you could probably get those 10 pull-ups done in about two two sets or so, okay? With a quick break, okay, keeping that heart rate pretty high. That way we can get that stimulus for the workout is probably what I would say. So, I mean, it's probably an easy way to say is, is be able to get more work done in a short period. In a short amount of time, yeah. Think of it trying to do Murph or Angie. Like strict. A strict, right? Obviously, the time domain's going to be way higher compared to if I was doing kipping pull-ups. I mean, obviously, we do strict pull-ups inside of workouts. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you are going to be doing them and, and not, like you're not going to be breathing, right? Like if you ever done a workout, strict pull-ups, let's say you have like wall balls, rowing, running, and, and strict pull-ups in there, I mean, you're still going to be breathing. But you all, you get to that point in time where you reach a complete muscle failure, failure. stimulus and, and the intensity is going to drop off to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. And so kipping allows for that intensity to stay higher and allows you to keep, keep or allows you to do more work in a short amount of time, time. right? And and so people can look at that from an outside perspective and see that as you know well, those are those are cheating reps. And I can understand where they're coming from with that with that retrospect, right? And well, that's as long as easy way out. It's almost. the easy way to say like, okay, we well, obviously you don't understand as to what's the general principle behind this, right? Is to be able to do more work in a short amount of time and keep the intensity higher. If we then go into a strict movement then from there, obviously that brings the intensity down, so to speak. Uh, so, so somebody might hear that, right? Like, okay, well, that's why I want to do kipping pull-ups, right? That's mm-hmm. why I want to do kipping things is because of the fact that I can get a better workout time. I can do more work in a short amount of time. And when you, and that's a mistake a lot of people make, make. is they start prioritize kipping over strict movements. And kind of like you said before, where if we do not have the prerequisite strength mm-hmm. to perform a kipping movement, that's where injuries start to occur, yeah. Yeah. right? Like you start seeing slap tears, labrum tears, um, you know, just because the shoulder, honestly we're referring to the kipping pull-up right now, is that the shoulder itself is not strong mm-hmm. enough for your body to be slamming down to the bottom of a pull-up repetitively for tens and tens, if not, you know, hundreds of reps hundreds over of reps months of reps, reps, you know? And so to be able to progress you safely, 
strict has to be the main priority, mm-hmm. right? That's why we don't, that's why we, we do the way we do pull-ups now, especially with the seated variations and like that is to help build up pre-reduction strength because it's kind of, you have to be able to, you know, crawl before you can walk, you have to be able to walk before you run, so to speak. And we can't just say flail over the bar as best you can and try to get your shin above the bar. And you're down you can't even do up. a strict pull-up, yeah. right? And so and it's not like the, the list of kipping movements really goes crazy high. I mean, we have what? Kipping, you have pull-ups, you got bar muscle-ups. Toe to bar. You got toe to bar, you got ring. Ring muscle. You got ring dip, and then you got handstand push-up. Mm-hmm. That's about it. That's it, right? That's about it, yeah. No kipping push-ups. No. <laughs> I mean, it depends who you're talking people, to. People can try. <laughs> no kipping push-ups. So that's kind of your, your – so we got six technical movements that we use for a, a kipping purpose. In every single one of those, I would say, other than maybe the bar muscle-up, you should be able to achieve it at least – now, it depends on what movement it is, but at least one, one. strict before you're able to do into any of the kipping Variations. Depending on what the movement is, I would say more like pull-ups. You should at least be able to be close to like you know three to five I was about to ask pull-ups. That one right there. Pull-ups. That's the more common five, one, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to be doing kipping pull-ups or butterfly pull-ups. Um, now, if you're looking to do, I wouldn't say you need to be able to do a strict bar muscle-up before no. you can do it. <laughs> a strict bar muscle-up is hard, man. That, that's really really tough to <laughs> that's do. That's a like, tough. No way would ever probably ever do a bar muscle-up, but you, de- in my opinion, you definitely should be able to like at least try to achieve a strict ring muscle-up. I think that's a good idea. Before you do a kipping ring muscle, just because of the fact you can use false gripping and things like that, um, and so it really comes down to a progressive pull strength, and then the bar is a bar is a lot different because obviously it doesn't move. Um, but same thing with like strict, like with ring dips, you should be able at least to knock out you know three to five strict ring dips before, before you run. You know, and the same thing for handstand pushups, you should be able at least knock out at least probably two or three strict handstand pushups before you move into any type of kipping handstand. I can work out. But I, and I think for majority of the population including the people here you you don't have to do anything kipping and still get a great workout and still yeah, live sure. a perfectly healthy normal life the, really the only purpose of a a kipping movement is to achieve more work in a short amount of time right and the intensity can probably be a little bit higher but that doesn't necessarily mean that your workout is lesser because of the fact i'm doing it strict now right and, like, I mean, I've done workouts with the seated demo presses, and that shit is hard. That is st- that's some tough stuff, man. Doing the seated demo press compared <laughs> to, a, a, like, a handstand push-up on the wall, that shit's hard. Oh, for sure. I mean, you're going to – I mean, how many times – I mean, when we have a handstand push-up workout and we see people doing those seated presses, like, you they're like hitting failures. Like, they're hitting failure. They're doing singles. They're doing doubles. Um, but at the end of the day, that's – they're getting – they're building that strength in the shoulders and mm-hmm. the, in those muscles to eventually – hopefully one day if they want to, you know, they can do that kipping movement. Um, but, dude, man, those seated presses, they do get nasty. Just like seated – even ring rows. If you take an example like ring mm-hmm. rows, everybody thinks well, ring rows are like rows. this easy like thing or the supine rows we do on Thursdays and like throughout the week. Like those are tough movements. No, they're not easy by any means. No, especially if you're doing them right. Like they are yeah, tough. Those are tough things. And so I don't want to water it down to make it seem like it's a lesser of a workout because it's, it's definitely not by any means. Um, but for majority of you guys, that's where your bread and butter should start. And even if you're somebody who can knock out, you know, 15, 20 strict pull-ups, still a good chunk of your training should still be focused primarily on strict pulling and mm-hmm. pressing movements. You know, there is a time and place to say, you know, once you have enough prerequisite strict strength and you're like, okay, well, 
now my goal is to get better times in my workouts or possibly you know compete or go to a competition whatever it may be that's a whole other topic of conversation itself yeah. that we can you know trying to build more volume to achieve you know bigger sets of kipping pull-ups or bar muscle-ups or whatever, whatever that kipping movement may be but that's that's only like probably like less than five percent of people are here to come to gym and i would say 95 plus percent of the people here you know they want maybe some people like probably like 10 to 15 percent of those of that 95 percent want to be able to do kipping right yeah or some probably at least everybody one, wants to at least try at least they'll do more. one of those kipping variations yeah. right um probably the easiest of the six that we talked about is probably toes of our probably that's probably the ones more people are more likely to try to like shoot for. Yeah, too. And then the other ones people are, depending on who the person is, is kind of like, nah, I'm really cool. I really don't want to care about doing a kipping pull-up or a kipping ring dip or anything like that. It's like, I'll stick with my seated stuff on the floor. Um, and I think it's probably a good half of you that are kind of like that. And you have another 30% that are like, okay, I'm not quite to a, you know, kipping ring dip or a kipping handstand push-up, but I would like to get there. You know, what does that process mm-hmm. look like? And... You know, just keep doing what you're doing, like you said, inside the workouts and keep focusing on your strength and don't try to jump over that and bypass that to get that because what's going to end up happening is either A, you're going to hurt yourself in the process of trying to do kipping when you can't do any of the movements strict mm-hmm. or B, let's say you, you're fine, right? You're, you're resilient enough to go a little while without getting hurt. But you're going to put a ceiling on yourself as to how far you can really strive get to get into it, right? So let's say, for instance, I can't do a strict pull-up, but I'm like, okay, I can knock out, you know, four kipping pull-ups in a row. Well, if you just keep continue to keep doing that, right, you might be able to get a few more kipping pull-ups. You might go from like four to six. But after it comes a point in time where it's like, okay, well, I want to be able to do like 10 plus, you're going to have to resort back to doing more strict pulling power, right? More strict pulling strength. And I think so many people, they get so caught up in like, I want to do the kipping, I want to do the kipping, I want to do the kipping. And it's like, you got, you're going to have to backtrack it for a second here and start focusing more on, on your strict pulling mm-hmm. and pressing strength. Um, you know, and we focus on that obviously inside our class structure, like, you know, right now we're going through we're a whole cycle, cycle and things like that. But if you really have like one primary movement that you're looking to, to shoot and go after to try to get the kipping variation of that, you're going to have to have enough strict pulling power to do it first. And so you're going to have to focus on doing it probably at least twice a week, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes before or after class, focusing on getting strict strength for that. Mm-hmm. You know, so we keep going back to the kipping pull-up that I'm going to have to spend at least probably twice a week working on strict pulling, horizontal pulling, rowing, and things like that, as well as like isolation, like curls or, you know, rear dumbbell flies, things like that to strengthen up the shoulder and the lats to be able to achieve more strict pulling strength, right? And so <clears throat> that's kind of like, it's not that one is necessarily better or of the other. It's just the fact that they have to be used appropriately and the majority of the people, strict. it's getting strict first and then move into kipping second, right? And so if for you personally, if we kind of go through the six ones that we've listed, mm-hmm. everyone's got a little bit of a twist as to what their number is, as to you know what's the, the key to get into the kipping variation. Uh-huh. So... I think we're in agreement that you, you know, one strict ring muscle up is definitely achievable to yeah. move into kipping. What would be, for instance, your pull up? Pull up for strict pull ups. How many? If you for for if I want to do kipping pull ups, how many strict pull ups should I be able to do? What's your number? I'm gonna say, if you're trying to do them in a workout, I'm gonna say like four to five. 
four to five yeah. to for like safely like I don't even have to worry about it like you're okay I'm gonna say four to five and four and five with like good I'm talking good form good form like full range like we're not motion. arching our back not, to get our chin almost over. like hollow body yeah, like for sure it's you can tell how pretty like a, a good pretty strict pull up like yes. somebody's like like really arching their back kind of like kicking their feet around that's not what I'm talking about that, yeah we're talking like nice very pretty hollow body yeah. positions right we're controlled from the top to the bottom you know your chin's getting over clearly uh, that's what I would say though for like pull up though okay what about bar muscle up bar muscle up um, I'm gonna say for us to like to safely not do a chicken wing, mm-hmm. um, I'm gonna say probably like that eight to ten range. Yeah, eight to I 10. usually say about ten. Tens um, normally, if you can do ten, you know I'm pretty really 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 confident. Um, eight, we could we can get it done. We just have to probably draw dial in that technique a good mm-hmm. little bit. Okay, ring dip, ring dip, ring dip is a tough one, man. Especially who you talk to. Um, I'm gonna say like probably three to five. I say five. Yeah. What about strict handstand push-up? Strict handstand push-ups for kipping? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I think that's the toughest one for me. Um, I'm going to go for, I'm going to say a solid four. Four? A four. Okay. I would probably say this to make it even across the board. I'd probably say five. Five, yeah. Five. I'd say five for ring and handstand push-up. Five for strict pull-up. And then one for strict ring muscle-up. And then ten for a bar muscle-up. For a bar muscle-up, yeah. Yeah, I'd probably say those that. are pretty that's, solid numbers. I'd say that way is an even fair standard even right across the board. You don't have to like all these different numbers to kind of jump around, and that's easier said than done, right? But I guarantee you, if you can hit those numbers, the kipping is going to be so, so much easier, easier right? So much easier. I guarantee you'll get kipping within like ten or fifteen minutes. Yeah. No problem. <clears throat> um, so, out of those movements, which one inherently think has the most risk to it? Most risk? Uh, most risk for reward. I'm gonna say probably ring muscle up. Ring muscle up? Yeah. I'd probably go with the handstand push up. Handstand push up, you think so? I think just because of the fact that, as you know, I mean, you know how it is, right? If, you know, once you start hitting, so for instance, like you start fatiguing out on pull ups, mm-hmm. right? So if you start fatiguing out, you just, you just come drop, off the bar. You just come off the bar. Right. With handstand push ups, a lot of times when you start fatiguing, you start crashing into the mat crashing on your head. harder and harder and harder, harder as the teeth start settling in, right? So yeah. you get that compression through the spine, through the neck. And so that's why like, I've kind of had an internal battle a little bit with handstand push-ups personally over the years just because it's like, what's the risk-reward there? Um, I know some people really like to do them, um, but it's just the compression of going up and down constantly uh, on your head sometimes to me is an internal battle of, I don't think it's necessarily the best movement, movement. for a lot of people. Obviously, if you're looking to achieve, you know, inside the sport of CrossFit, um, that's part of the sport itself. But I think for the majority of people, and it's a, it's a fun movement to do, if done safely and things like that, and you actually kind of control yourself mm-hmm. to a degree, um, I think it could be a, a, a fine movement as long as you're not crashing to the mat and you're keeping tension through the shoulders. But I think, for most people, I think doing a, a seated dumbbell shoulder press is your, your best set. go-to movement, right? You get better range of motion because the dumbbells always come down to the shoulders. You go down to a handstand push-up, you're technically only going down to your head, so yeah. about 90 degrees with the arms. Um, and it's just a safer movement in general. And it keeps your midline more engaged as well. That's why we do the seated variation from the floor and not standing 
is because when you stand, you can start to overextend through your spine. And as you get tired, you know, kind of you like do, standing yeah, press you know how it is yeah. like when you do like a shoulder yeah. press, right? You start getting tired, you start arching your back to try to, you know, bypass, get a little more pec involved. Um, but when you're seated on the floor, you can't do that because if you overextend too hard, you're going to fall backwards onto your back. And so your, your midline has to stay engaged the whole entire time while you're doing those. So I think for most people, you know, for general health and overall wellness, seated dumbbell press is probably your best. Your best go-to? Yeah, your best go-to, in my opinion. Um, but when it comes to the other ones, I don't, I don't, I'd probably say probably second, that's probably the ring muscle-up, right? Mm-hmm. Because more things can go wrong because of the fact the rings move and move. whatnot. Uh, and, it, and it's one of those things where you're going to have to spend enough time on technique and positioning work and getting those positions rock solid to really try to advance to, Get a, to a, that. a really safe, effective ring muscle-up. And, that, and that's, that's the fun part about CrossFit, but it's also the detri- detriment to CrossFit is the fact that we do such highly technical movements that makes it fun, especially mm-hmm. type of personality for something to strive towards, but also the inherent risk is higher because of the fact that people want to do them so bad they want to skip over the steps they're to rushing, get there. They're rushing the process, yeah. right? It, because they just want to be able to do it. Just teach me how to do it. And it's not it's not cool and sexy to say, okay, if you want to do a ring muscle up, first off I'm gonna need you to be able to do faster ring dips. I'm gonna need you to be able to do at least, you know, five really pretty strict pull ups. And then I'm also going to spend weeks and weeks and weeks I'm drilling that technique. working on drilling technique from the floor, right? Yeah. That's a really hard sell for somebody to take in and say, okay, I'm willing to do that work. It's not fun. That's not fun. It's like, dude, just show me how to get up there. Just show me how to swing on the rings and get on top. Well, that's when the inherent risk starts to happen. Mm-hmm. Is now you're trying, you're trying to jump over all these steps to be able to do that. And if you, if you don't do these properly, you don't, and you don't have the muscle memory ingrained, that's where the risk starts to happen. And that's why sometimes it can be, CrossFit gets a bad rap because every CrossFit box is individually ran and owned. And if, you know, a lot of CrossFit gyms, they don't, they just allow their athletes to just do the movement. And when they allow them to do the movement, that's where injury happens. When injury happens, that's when people quit and then they tell their friends they got hurt at CrossFit yeah. and CrossFit then gets a bad rap because now all the CrossFit gyms get lumped in together when they're all individually ran and operated. I think that's the worst thing about CrossFit. Yeah, seriously. It's, it's, that's, that's really where the inherent risk comes from, right? And, and that's why, you know, if you'd, Cody, you know, seven, eight years ago would have been like, try to push the envelope for those things on the people, right? And I'm all about if somebody wants to achieve that, I will show you the steps to do there, right? Yeah, but I mean, gonna, if you want to be able to do that, like we're obviously going to give you the tools mm-hmm. to do it. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to just tell you to hop up on there and go for it, Yeah. right? But at the same time, if you're going to want to do these movements, which I think, I think it's still a great goal for people to say, hey, I want to be able to do majority of these workouts prescribed. You know, I won't be able to do every workout coming in here. I won't be able to do it like brown or black variation, right? So I won't be able to do the higher skill movements. I won't be able to do ring muscles. I won't be able to do bar muscles. I won't be able to do all these, these, these things that, you know, you guys list on the board. Then that's what you're going to have. You're going to have to take the time and learn the process of how to do these movements and not just skip over them to be able to say you, you check it off the box now you can do it because 
but you're gonna hit a wall and either, like I said, A, you're gonna get injured, or B, if you wanna get better at it, you're gonna have to resort back to the steps you should have taken from yeah. the first place to get better at them. For sure. And that's and that thing is where the problem starts to occur with a lot of people is they just wanna bypass it and just go right to doing that. I mean, how many people do you see nowadays that like are still doing probably the same amount of kipping pull-ups? that have probably been doing them for like three, four years. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of people, you know? Yeah. They have not improved on them, um, but they can still do them, and so they want to do them all the mm-hmm. time. Um, but when we do strict things, how I many, they're not really, they don't really it's give not, that effort, you well, know? Well, it's not as who get better. It's not, it's not as fun, like it's not, it's not cool, it's not so flashy and sexy to be able to just jump there and, and, and knock out strict and pull-ups and work on the, like the horizontal. And doing those season and variations and all that. Yeah, it's, it's just not like flashy and sexy, right? That's not the stuff that people like to look at. And so that's why you, you see people want to jump into the bigger, flashier movements. And that's that's where the problem lies, right? And that's why we're trying to have this podcast is you know, educate you guys on to why we do this because us, if we don't tell you, you form your own judgments as to, you know, what, what you want to do and what works. And, you know, I've been doing this over, you know, a decade now. And uh, even to this day, I still work on strict strength, right? I actually do more strict strength work now than I've probably ever had. Ever. Um, just because I see more and more of the importance of doing it more regularly, right? The only time I really I do any type of kipping movements is inside the workouts themselves. I don't do really do any type of kipping movements like for extra for work. Or, yeah, for yeah. extra work personally. Um, but like obviously, if you're looking to improve upon like competitions like that, it's something I sort of like talked about earlier. But for most of you guys, strict strength is the number one key fact that you guys have to work on for everybody, especially the females, obviously. Um, but that's that's kind of my take on it for the most part. I don't know if there's anything else really need to add in there. So like for somebody trying to get like for instance, let's say somebody doesn't have a pull up, mm-hmm. okay. Um, what would you say would be like the number one goal for them to like work on? Would that be like negatives? Would that be holds? Or would that be just doing like reps and reps and reps of that strict pulling strength from like a supine row or like a mm-hmm. or a barbell row or something like that? Uh, so yes to all of that. Yeah. Um, I would probably say the number one thing you can do to start off with is is negative. So mm-hmm. like, let's say you take somebody who cannot do a strict pull-up, right? But they want to be able to do one. And you, ideally, the, the number one thing you could probably do for the most bang for your buck for a short amount of time is negatives. Mm-hmm. So you would get on, get on a box, you you know stand on the top, get your chin above the bar, and then take your feet off the box and slowly lower you down for, let's say, three to five seconds. If you cannot achieve that, where let's say maybe I can't even hold, I can't control myself three to five seconds, then you would progress down by doing like a standing variation from the floor, uh-huh. with kind of on your tiptoes, and then from there lowering yourself down from there. Uh, that's probably your best, and probably doing somewhere around three to five reps for about three sets. Uh-huh. It's probably your best go-to. You're going to choose like one exercise to go with. But if you're looking to kind of add in some more layers, so. That would probably be, like I said, your best bang for your buck. Second piece would probably be finding some, like some type of seated variation that's really, really tough for you to do, right? And layer in either more intensity or more volume with that, right? So if I, let's say I did a seated pull-up variation, my feet elevated, uh-huh. and let's say I can do three really good reps and after three, my form starts breaking down, right? So I'll do three sets of three, then the next week I might do three sets of four, or kind of I might work on what you did for exactly. Or I might do three sets. I might do like three, three, four. Right. I might do like or like four, three, three. Next week I try to do four, four, three. Next week I try to do four, four, four. 
right? And so I'm starting to layer in more and more volume with that or either add in more sets or I can even put like a plate in my lap and make, make myself more heavier and do like a, a weighted seated pull-up variation, right? So I'm layering in more intensity and more volume over a period of time. As well as layering in maybe some horizontal pulling like ring rows or barbell rows or dumbbell rows with a little bit of isolation work like a dumbbell curl or a barbell curl with some like rear delt flies, things like that because we, the pull-up itself involves multiple muscles, right? Like muscles. I'll see lats being the main thing, but also your upper back, your rear delts, and your biceps are all involved in the pull. And even to agree for some people, even grip could be a limiting factor. Grip. Like they can't physically hang onto the bar for very long. So obviously if I don't have the grip strength, I can't physically pull myself onto the bar. I think that's maybe only a handful of people, but I think for the most part, it comes down to lat strength and bicep strength. And so that's where I would start from, right? And then if you're looking to improve upon maybe like ring dips or handstand push-ups, then obviously you do the same thing concept. Negus is probably your best go-to. Best go-to. Right, if I was doing handstand push-ups, I will kick up from the wall, control myself down to three to five seconds. As soon as my head touches the mat, drop from the wall, kick, kick back, back up into a handstand, lower myself down, as well as doing like even more seated dumbbell presses and layering in heavier weights for a period of time, push-ups, dumbbell bench, dumbbell incline. It's really the more pressing you can do from different variations and angles, the better for the you. The same thing for your pull-ups, right? The different pulling variations and angles that you can do, the better, right? Choose two to three, do it for a few weeks. That way you can layer in some linear progression with it where from a week-to-week -week basis, you can gradually bring up the intensity, right? Because you're, if you're changing up your workout selection from a week-to-week -week basis, you don't know how you're improving. Yeah. Right, so if every single day, so every week I change it up to where, you know, one day I'm doing chin ups, and the next week I'm just doing barbell rows, and the next week I'm gonna do, you know, uh, bicep curls, and I'm never, you never choosing the same exercise right. selection. I don't know how to layer in more intensity, right? So, like for like if I'm gonna do like I talked about before, if I let's say I do a barbell row, I'm doing ninety five pound barbell row, and I'm doing three sets of eight with that, then either a I'm trying. And next week, I'm going to try to go up to 100 pounds and achieve three sets of eight, or I'm going to try to go three sets of nine, three sets of 10, ten. and layer in more volume with it, right? So that's two ways you can easily layer in more intensity and get stronger with the linear progression. Right, and that's when we write Hurricane X for a lot of people, that's how we structure it. Is, you know, for me personally, I'll usually, for most of my athletes, I program for Hurricane X, is it'll go roughly about a four to about a six week, six -week cycle, cycle, depending on what their goals are, obviously. That'd be kind of their main progression is I'll have about a four to six week cycle of the same workout selection of movements. And then it would be either A, layering more intensity or B, more volume over those four to six weeks. And that way they're able to see a linear progression of strength. But they're having course. some sort of progression. Just having a progression yeah. of some kind. Yes, correct. Um, so that's how I would go about somebody who's wanting to, you know, achieve those different, you know, strict movements. And also we do some of that inside the class workout. There's only so much time we have in, a, in an hour long class. And there's only, it's a blanket program, right? But if you want something a little bit more individualized to you and like you want that one individual goal that you want to go after, then yeah, you're going to have to maybe spend a little what, extra time before or after class to go after that one particular mm -hmm. movement. Um, and, then, and that's the same thing when it comes to inside of our, our group classes is, you know, let's say we do have our muscle ups that day. We don't have the time in a class to really break down all the essential steps of the bar muscle up because the fact we have, let's say maybe we have a class of 15 people, there might be only three people in the class who are doing bar muscle ups. Yeah. And you might, and the other 10 in the class could give a shit less about doing bar muscle ups, right? So 
I can't sit there for it's hard to justify ten minutes. I can't justify ten minutes of blocking off the class talking about bar muscle ups. When over half people in class could give a shit about ever doing a bar muscle up, dude, I don't even care about that. I just want to be able to do a good workout. I want to break a sweat. I want to get the hell out of here. Yeah, right. I could give a shit about less doing that. So for you guys that are like, like I wish you know you guys would talk more about the bar muscle up. You're more than welcome to come, you know, to a coach. You know, before or after class, say, hey, where are some tips that I can do to, you know, get there, and we'll be happy to give it to you, right? Or if you want a little bit more of a detail session, we offer skill sessions. Uh-huh. Or if you, you know, if you really you want, want to, or you can do a hurricane X. All those are different offer, offers on the table, right? But we can't. We don't have enough time allotted to block off ten to fifteen minutes to talk about a really high skill movement when. You know, like you I said, one person the other in the half class that wants to learn. Exactly, it. you might have one person in the class that really wants to learn it, but the other, you know, seventy percent of the class could give a shit less about that. And so that's sometimes I feel bad about that because I'm like, man, I, no, that's I, a tough. That's a tough. I'm like, man, I, I know you really want to learn. I really feel bad that I can't really spend that much time because I can't give a bar muscle up or a ring muscle up tutorial in thirty seconds. Yeah, it takes time, man. It's it not. Really it's does. not enough time, right? Like. It's different when I can say, okay, this is a seated dumbbell press, right? I can break that down in 30 seconds to a minute. But a ring muscle-up is too many moving parts, right? Um, and so that's – that's I want to kind of throw that in there as well is so that you guys no, – That's a good that. point. I think that's something that people don't don't realize so, so much, you know, mm-hmm. um, especially because like it's hard for me because a lot of times like someone that does want to do a bar muscle-up or something, like you can kind of see like – they have the potential or like they probably could do it, but you don't really have that time, you know? Yeah. Um, but when they do ask, you know, that is a good time, like after the class or like even before, you know, we finish the class kind of early. Um, so we, that's a good time for you. Maybe when we're stretching, you can kind of like ask that question. Um, that way you have an idea of what to actually practice in the future to be yeah. able to get that, you know? Yeah. And that's, and that's kind of the deal. Um, because like I said, it's, it's a tough deal when you have different uh, objectives, like, different goals for different people mm-hmm. and I can't sit there for 10 or 15 minutes breaking out such a complex movement when the other half of the class just doesn't care yeah. about it right like it's too much time taken away for one thing uh, like we because like, we were doing like from the past we might do like ring muscle progressions and things like that and you know people just if they're really not interested they're just kind of like they're just lazy just like they're lazy kind of going yeah. through and it's like it's not it's not worth the point of it. Yeah, what's the point of doing this if you know most people don't want to do this and they're never going to want to strive for that? So why push it on those people, right? And you know, I don't. We don't have enough time a lot inside the class to get enough work in to, to do that, right? There's only we only have a little block of sixty minutes, and so yeah, like come to us before or after a class and be more than happy to break down some sets for you, uh, spend a few minutes with you, and then obviously if you want more of a detailed like, hey, I really want you to like coach me through these sets make sure I'm doing them right you know schedule a skill session and mm-hmm. you know we'll spend 30 minutes with you and we, we can get a lot a lot of work done in, in a 30 minute session just one of 30 minutes you get a lot done on one like one particular on movement. one movement like 30 minutes you'll get a lot done for a yeah. skill session for yeah, sure yeah that really really advance you forward like very very quickly and so that's something you're interested in definitely let us know um, but other than that though I think is there anything else we need to kind of add to that topic there I feel like we covered a good good little good little snippet right there yeah. And so kind of to sum the whole thing up, guys, is keep focusing on your strict pulling strength. It's going to go such a long ways. If you want to, if you have your eyes on the prize of something in particular that you want to do, like a bar muscle up or a handstand push up and like that, you know, you might have to spend a little extra time before after class really focus on building up the prerequisite strength to get there. And then once you get that prerequisite strength built in, 
Then at that point in time, then when you start working on some focus on technique and, and, and things like that. Down and and once you have, and once you once you really have that that preemptive strength there, it's gonna make getting that movement so much easier. Compared, I mean, you know, you know how this goes. It's, Absolutely. You see somebody's like, man, I really want to learn how to do a kipping handstand push up. And they're kind of like taking a no for an, for an example, like, dude, just show me how to do it. I really don't care. I can't do a strict hands push it. Just, just flip up, show them where my hands need to go, show them where my head needs to go, and I'll just do it. And, you know, they come down, they crash on their head, they then flick their feet into the air, they come off the ground three inches, and they fall. They fall back to the face. Right? You're, you're like, dude, I can teach you every technique in the world. You're not going to get it today. You don't have enough strength yeah. to do this. But when you have a guy that can, or a girl that can jump on that wall and knock out some strict, I mean, Kipping is like literally two drills. Like give them two cues and they're gonna get it. Right, they're gonna get it without. I mean, that might be line might be exactly perfect, but it's it's pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. And then after a few sessions, then it looks like they've been doing it for years. Yeah, right. And so uh, that's their biggest thing is like both are very very both are equally important. Um, But for most of you guys, keep focusing on your strength, and that kipping will come. And even if you can do kipping currently. If you keep focusing on, on your strict pulling power, your strict pressing power, that'll help aid in your kipping strength. It doesn't work vice versa. No. It's going to do more kipping doesn't translate to more strict. strict. Like say if I go from 15 kipping pull-ups to 18 kipping pull-ups, doesn't necessarily mean my, my strict pull-up goes from like 5 to 8. Now. 8. It doesn't translate that way per se. But a lot of times if I can increase my strict strength from let's say 8 strict pull-ups to 10 strict pull-ups, my kipping will probably that, That's increase. a good little increase for your kip, right? Yeah, that'll probably increase my kipping strength as well. Yeah. Okay, so hopefully I kind of sums this up. Hopefully they gave you, uh, you know, a good insight as to, you know, why we do things, the way how we program them when it comes to like strict strength, things like that for you guys. And if you have any questions on anything particular that maybe we didn't cover on this figure talk, but definitely come talk to us and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace, love, and pasta.